Hello, brothers and sisters. Joe Zenk coming to you on Thursday, June the 11th, the Feast of St. Barnabas today. And we will be talking a little bit about old Barnabas uh, later on in our uh, episode here. But for those first coming, welcome. Good to have you. Uh, this is the Cup of Joe podcast. I do it Monday through Friday every day, and we focus on the gospel of the day. Um, and I am a pastoral leader, a lay Catholic minister within the Catholic Church at three rural Catholic parishes in the east side of Wisconsin, in Kiel, New Holstein, St. Anna. And it is good to have you with us. Without further ado, let's keep looking at Scripture and what we have. For those who have been following this week, you know that we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. We just started on Monday. We continue in chapter 5 today. That Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7 uh, in Matthew's Gospel, and I suspect will take us through the rest of this month. But we have been following sequentially. The first day, Monday, we went through the Beatitudes. Uh, Tuesday, we talked about being the salt of the earth and light of the world and not being hidden under a bushel basket. Yesterday, Jesus mentioned he came not to abolish the law, not even the smallest bit of it, but to fulfill it. So yesterday, he set the table for today and maybe tomorrow as well. I haven't looked ahead, but most certainly for today. Remember this, because it's going, you're going to see it throughout the gospel that we read. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is the new Moses. Moses brought the law down from the mountain. That's why the sermon is on the mount. Uh, he's comparing the two. And Jesus did not come, of course, to abolish that law, but to fulfill it. And so we're going to hear about that law Moses brought and what fulfillment looks like. So be paying attention to that in today's gospel. Let's pray. For those uh, following along at home, Matthew 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verses 20 through 26. Matthew 5, 20 to 26. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first. And be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly, while on the way to court with him. Otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, um, again, we knew this was where we were going. I even mentioned it yesterday that Jesus will say, and not only this time, but uh, in other places as well, you have heard it said, but I say to you, because again, yesterday's gospel and today's go hand in glove. They, they fit together, um, and purposefully so. We split them up uh, to read them day by day. 
but the gospel writer, Matthew, did not intend that. Um, so what he's saying is, I've not come to abolish the law. Remember, the heart of the law are the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Sinai in Exodus 20 and gives them to the people. And the reason the law, the Pentateuch, the Torah, those five first books of the Bible, um, uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, those are the heart because not only are the Ten Commandments committed or given to the people in them, I mean, then it would just be Exodus, right? That, that was the key. No, it's where God forms the Hebrew people that they become his people and he their God. It's that, that union. And so anything that comes between that relationship the law surrounds that relationship and builds that relationship up. Not only those Ten Commandments, but remember yesterday I said that they had 613 of them, commandments that were, were given. And some of those, you know, they kind of went off in their own direction, as is our human uh, tendency to do sometimes. Not just the Jewish people did that. Lord knows we Catholics have done that plenty. But brothers and sisters, the point is anything that would come be between that idea of God being the God for the Jewish people and the Jewish people being a community of people who were God's people, anything that would come between the people and God, God and the people, the people themselves, uh, that was sin. And so Jesus says, we can't abolish any of that. If anything comes between that relationship and our relationships, that, that must be severed. And so right away here, he's going to the, to the faith of the Pharisees. He says, your righteousness must surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees, or you won't enter the kingdom. So what does the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees look like? Brothers and sisters, let me be the first to tell you, the scribes and Pharisees did a very, very good job of keeping the law of those 613 commandments. The problem was... They kept them, but not in their heart. And remember, that's what I said yesterday, is, is God is inviting us to get to the heart of where these commandments point us toward, that we can stay at the surface level and check it off and say, I'm okay, I've done that, I'm good, but never allow God to permeate our heart or our mind or our spirit, our being, our essence. We can keep them external to us. And that, brothers and sisters, is what the scribes and Pharisees did. Now, not all of them. That's painting in too large of a brush. Uh, we know that some, Joseph of Arimathea, wasn't that way, or Nicodemus wasn't that way, and so I'm sure there are others too. But in general, Jesus is saying they keep it external. How did they do that? By using his next example. He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. The fifth commandment, right? Well, we can look at ourselves and say, okay, well, haven't killed anybody today. I'm good. I'm good. Haven't stolen from anybody today. I'm good. I haven't committed adultery. Okay. And it's a head game. I've checked my list. And we're good to go. And we've never invited God into the process. But Jesus invites us deeper. He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. So he's not abolishing that. But he's saying we need to look at what killing means in a different sense, in a deeper sense. You've heard it say that, that you shall not kill. But I say to you, whoever is angry with their brother or sister, this is not a male thing, will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to their brother or sister, Raka, uh, meaning you fool, 
Um, I'm not sure what rocket means, but I don't know. <laughs> we never say it. We'll be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Basically, what Jesus is saying here, brothers and sisters, and of course, what Jesus means and what I mean, Jesus is always deeper than what I'm telling you. So I don't want to say I know exactly what Jesus means. Forgive me if I'm coming across that way. But what Jesus is inviting us to is beyond the words and say, okay, I haven't murdered anyone today. I haven't killed anyone. But he's saying, okay, but, but have you looked on anyone with judgment? Have you severed a relationship with someone because you are critical of them? Do you think they're foolish and just dumb as a brick and you think, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to hang out with them? Have we gossiped about anybody today behind their back? Mocked them? Ridiculed them? Kept them at a distance? Been nice to their face but turn and then tell what we really think to other people? Brothers and sisters, every one of those things, and, and certainly more, are ways we kill one another. We kill reputations. We sever ties between that person and anyone we're talking to because we're killing what, what their relationship is. We don't, may not even know what that relationship is between the person we're judging and the person we're talking to, but we're severing ties. Remember anything that goes against the heart of the law of that people being formed in God's image, of their relationship to God and their relationship to one another, if we are severing that, we are killing and we are sinning and we are going against the law. Yes, we may not have murdered someone, but we have separated ourselves. Again, we look to Jesus and his incredible wisdom. When the, the, and we, we, did, we talked about this two, three weeks ago. When the uh, scribe comes to him and says, what's the greatest of these, the commandments in the Old Testament? Of all the 613, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The, the scribe only asked for one, but he gave two. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He equates loving God with loving one another. And, and ourselves, by the way, which is in there. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So anything that gets in the way, even when we call ourselves a fool, Joe, you stupid SOB. Joe, you are so dumb that you said that or did that. Brothers and sisters, we commit sin against ourselves. We are killing our own self in shaming ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we're not honest with ourselves, but our God doesn't ask us to kill ourselves. And he asks us to be honest with one another when they fall short of what we're inviting them to and what they're called to be. So we don't say, ah, everything's okay. No, that's not it either. We're called to be honest. We're called not to judge them. We're called to perhaps judge in action, but not them as people and say, you fool, because we don't know what's going on in their life. Nor are we to separate from them or separate them from one another and most certainly not from God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is inviting us to a deeper level of the law, not where the scribes and the Pharisees resided, which was external, but one that is internal. That's why we must not abolish any part of it. That's why when he talks about on the Sabbath, and maybe we're going to get to that later, he says we've got to look at what the meaning of the Sabbath is, not just one of these other 613 laws that say you can't walk from here to here or you're, you're violating the Sabbath. And it's why I challenged us yesterday. We must look to the heart. Look to the heart. What does this law point us to? What does it say about who God is? What does it say about who we are? 
I mentioned today is the Feast of St. Barnabas. I will only say a few words about him because really we only know a little bit about him. Um, Barnabas, you may know, was a, a leader in the early church. He was not one of the 12 apostles. He's probably about as close as you can get uh, he and Paul without being so. Barnabas was one of the leaders in the church in Antioch, north of Jerusalem, so Antioch, Syria, and clearly a charismatic leader. And he was one of the people that helped connect and, and reached out to Paul uh, after Ananias brought Paul into the community um, up in Damascus. Um, and, uh, and so clearly Barnabas was a, a person of courage. Who, who stepped out even when we weren't sure if Paul was persecutor or not, whether he was good guy or not. Barnabas went forward and put himself on the line and connected him to the Christian community. And then ultimately the community in, uh, in Jerusalem because it was Barnabas who introduced Paul to Peter. But here's what we know about Barnabas especially, that he went with Paul on his first missionary journey. And he and Paul were incredible. They set up churches in so many different places, and not only were their words, but their works were incredible, even to the point where at one, they said, listen, you guys are like Greek gods, and we're going we're gonna to make you guys, you know, statues of you, you know, and they even called Barnabas Zeus, and Paul was Hermes, you know, and, and they said, no, that's not who we are. But they were, they were men. Barnabas was a man of courage, stepping out and, and bridging that gap with Paul. He was a unifier between the early Christian community and Paul, a unifier between Paul and Peter and the, Jer the community in Jerusalem. And he was a good companion. He was a good companion of Paul's because you know what? They had a whole lot of hard times too on that missionary journey. And they were kicked out of places and they were uh, persecuted and, uh, and, and beaten up in places. And Paul and Barnabas stayed together through it all. Now, they weren't always perfect, and you may know the end of the story that way, that on the second missionary journey before they went, uh, Barnabas insisted on taking John Mark, uh, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I believe he was related, a nephew to Barnabas. And uh, Paul said, no way, can't take him. He deserted us on the first journey, um, and, uh, and I, I won't put up with it. And so Paul and Barnabas separated. Paul took Silas on his second and third journey, and Barnabas went with John Mark and went on their journey. But they were reconciled before the end, before Paul was killed and Barnabas was martyred. Um, and so I guess I, I invite us to ponder uh, two things today. One is, again, how do we get to the heart of what the gospel, what the law is inviting us to? Um, and that's a journey of a lifetime. Because to do that, we have to put ourselves into the mind and heart of Christ. <laughs> Even more so, we have to invite Christ's heart and mind to come into us and invade and infect us so that our thinking and his are one. Um, and, uh, and secondly, who are those good companions uh, for which we should be grateful today, such as Barnabas? Um, some companions come into our life and by the grace of God, they are there our entire life. But some companions are there without whom we would not be whom we are today. And the work which our lives uh, produce would not be as fruitful uh, if they were not there. But they are only there for a season, like Barnabas and Paul. Uh, Barnabas is someone 
to whom we can look up to. And so maybe we thank God for those uh, companions in our life, those for a lifetime and those for a season. And we thank God for the work that they helped us accomplish and the companionship which they offered us. Let's pray. I will give a moment of silence for an intention for if there is someone or something for whom you would like to pray, and then today we will be doing the fourth glorious mystery. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth glorious mystery, the Assumption of Mary. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, thank you for being a companion with me this day on this Feast of St. Barnabas, and may his prayers and the prayers of all of us be with you this day. God bless.